Uh, Mondays, am I right? Okay, are we ready to get on the conference call to, about planning the upcoming episodes? Yeah, let's go. Let's get producer Michael on the line. Welcome to the audio conferencing center. Please enter a conference ID followed by pound. Andrew, you did tell him we were calling in, right? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, hello, who joined? Your mother sucks cocks in hell. Oh, oh my. Um, that was uh, weird. Okay, That's uh, not who's supposed to be here. Uh, um, uh, hello, uh, I don't think you're on the right conference call. Hey guys, I uh, just joined. Uh, we, we, but I think we seem to be having some issues with the conference line right now. Hi, uh, who joined? Do you want to die tonight, Cece? Um, yeah, hi. We don't have a Cece here at the moment. Can you just please like mute your line? Thank you. Hi, is this the Arbonne webinar? <laughs> no, what? No, I think you have the wrong number. Oh, my God. Uh, once again, you all don't have your shit together. Look, call me back when you're ready. Oh, boy, we did it again. Oh, well, it's episode 30. Candyman. 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 Be afraid. Be very afraid. We have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. The box. You opened it. We came. Bing, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing, bing. I love China. Hi, I'm Jackie. Wanna play? I just want them to suffer. Look what you did to him. I joined Donald Trump on the Republican ticket because I believe he has the right leadership and the right vision to make America great again. Since 2017, a majority of Democrats turned into alt-left radical psychos. We'll get back to them later. I will build a great, great wall. I don't like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the freaking frogs gay. Do you understand that? Turn the freaking frogs gay. Our senior markets correspondent, Julie Hyman, back with us now. So, Julie, what's the bottom line here? Should the average worker be asking for a raise? Well, at the very least, we should have more information, perhaps, about what the average worker makes. Right now, uh, we used government data because the companies themselves do not release exactly how much their average worker makes. But the data that we crunch shows that the average gap in pay between a rank-and-file worker at an S&P 500 company and an S&P 500 CEO is 204 times. In other words, the CEO is making 204 times what the average worker is making. That's up 20% since 2009, and the gap has been widening over the decades. If you look at academic and trade union research, going back to the 1950s, the ratio was 20 to 1. By 1980, it was 42 to 1. And then you saw skyrocketing to 120 to 1 by 2000. Now, again, that 204 to 1 figure. Welcome, everybody. It's episode 30 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in the movies, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Uh, I am Andrew. Hi, I'm Maddie. And we are here today to talk about work. Yeah. 
Work. I gotta work. You gotta work. I gotta work. We gotta work. Work it, baby. Work it, honey. You know, that's just another day in capitalism. That's just the way that it is, my friends. <laughs> Actually, I think we'd have to work in socialism, too. But I mean, yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. I mean, for sure. Um, but it's just, you know, the workers own it. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Okay, so we are here to talk about all the horrors of the workplace. Yeah. Um, so I thought that we would start today's episode talking a little bit about some general facts around working in the United States. Yeah, you put together some good stuff here so the average work week as we know it is 40 hours a week um i would suffice it to say it's probably more like 45 yeah when's the last time you only worked 40 hours in a week (laughs) i don't know i had one job here in chicago when i first started i won't name any names but they had um kind of a racket that we would work um 10 hour days but we got every other friday off oh go fuck yourself and i'm like ooh, every other friday off but then i'm like hey wait a minute that just means we're working 150 hour week and 140 hour week Exactly, right. (laughs) Anyway, so, but according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the median wage for workers in the United States in the fourth quarter of 2019 was $936 per week, or $48,672 per year. Can we just talk about that number for a second? Well, hold on. I just want to preface that with that is pre-tax. Pre-tax. So after tax, that's like probably, what, $32,000 maybe, I would say? yeah. Do you know what like the the like the the turning point number is in people's lives like the like the wage where like things change for was it you like 70 75,000 yeah, that's what that I was is thinking, so yeah. far below and like think about living in Chicago and is that per person or per couple per person okay okay per person I mean, well, I guess I should say, like, if you live in a, if if you live in like an urban or even like a semi-urban area, so like, I guess if like you're in the country, I don't entirely know yeah. if that's the same. I think but that's kind of. I think you get what I'm trying yeah, to yeah, say, yeah. though. It's funny when I go back home, just like the price of like a beer. Sure. It's like, so let's say here, go to happy hour. Your Miller Lite is going to be what five bucks. Yeah, at I mean, happy like four, hour, like four or five bucks would be a good happy hour price. At home, you could probably get a. I, I remember there is a bar in Grand Rapids, Michigan, called Bob's Bar. Shout out Bob's Bar. Hey Bob. Um, you can get a thirty-two ounce Miller Lite at any time for two dollars and twenty-five cents. Why don't we go live there right now? I don't know. I ask myself that a lot. <laughs> you know what? We because well we can't. But what else do you have here in statistics? Yeah. So I think we're just talking about an average, like. The average work week, the average pay, and then I think that you had some statistics around, like, uh, what it's like for the average worker in America. Yeah, so, you know, the thing about about working in America and how we do it, you know, uh, Americans are sort of known around the world for how hard we work and how much we work, how little time we take off. Um, how few benefits we actually get from our from our employers, and I would say especially in the Midwest and on the East Coast, without a doubt. Yeah, um, and you know especially in Chicago. I mean, you know where Andrew and I have lived for many many years, and I mean this is a hard working city. It's a hard working city, hard playing city, hard drinking city, and that's what Chicago <laughs> is. And that's why we age so fast. Yeah, but you know I've, I've been reading a couple of articles in preparation for this episode, sure. and there's a great New York Times article out right now that actually came out just a couple of days ago about um about despair in the workplace mm. and how people that don't have college degrees suicide rates are rising sharply Ugh. and i mean like like substantially like i didn't actually realize 
how bad it has gotten. But, you know, if you look at um, statistics from the early 90s, let's say, okay. suicides among like white middle class people, and, it, and it, just to preface this, I'm saying white because the studies that were done were focusing specifically on white people. Yeah, there, are okay. new, there are new studies coming out right now, just to let, let, just to let people know, new studies coming out now that are focusing on a more like... Um, a more like full throated like look at everybody in America. Sure. So you know, look forward to more statistics on that coming soon. Yeah, but, and also like the census is coming up, and, so participate. And, and that's, I mean, <laughs> seriously, you really need to. But in, in these studies, it was found that in the early nineties, um, white adults without a bachelor's were committing suicide at about five per one thousand people, so five per capita, basically, wow. fairly low, fairly low. Um, over the next three decades, until you know, basically last year. That has risen sharply to 147 per 1,000. Wow. And there's this amazing graph that the New York Times has that's sort of like interactive and you just kind of scroll through it. And like like blue and green is like very low on the suicide range. And then red and yellow is like, you know, very high. And you see the numbers just jump. Just oh, hop crazy. up so quickly, and so there's these, um, these 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 researchers that have been looking at you know the correlation, the causation, looking at you know where is this coming from, and you know you also tend to find that um, it's not just suicide, right? It's suicide combined with alcoholism and combined with drug overdose, which are gotcha. three types of death. Well, alcoholism is not a type of death, but it could lead to death. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's it's deaths of despair. We call it. And so, you know, this is rising really sharply, and it's not a surprise because, as we know, America has like the worst healthcare system in the world. We'll talk about that on another episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) And that is an episode that we have coming. It's more expensive than, uh, than any other system in the world, and it fails to keep you healthy more than any other system in the world. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. So the people who have these problems, who need the help, can't get it. On top of it, they're not finding meaning in their work. And what was interesting, too, in looking at this research, is that it's not just about work, right? So like, sure. when we think about like happiness and meaning, like the old ways of thinking about who you are in the world are starting to sort of come to an end, right? Like, you know, it used to be like my brothers, for example, they were really proud steelworkers, sure. you know? And like, that's how people like define themselves. Like, yeah, I'm a steelworker. I'm a carpenter. I'm a plumber. I'm a this, I'm a whatever. It doesn't really happen anymore. And like, when you ask people who they are now, it's so much less about their work what they do. and what they do yeah. than about like, this sort of like new agey thing about like, well, who am I really inside? Spirituality. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Things have really shifted. And so there are other social indicators that are really interesting to look at. So with the same subset of people, the rates of people getting married, which is a social indicator of happiness. Like sure. if you're happy with yourself. It's just you, like when you buy a house or exactly, buy a car right, or go to college. Or, so the, the rates there sharply diverge. I mean by giant percentage points. Like people without a bachelor's degree are not getting married. And they are not having kids. It's it's really kind of you look at the graphs once, and we'll post this article so you can see That's it. Crazy. The graphs will almost freak you out. That it has diverged over the last three decades in huge ways. I wonder why. I wonder if it's uh, the struggle with money. Or if people are just not in the same mentality as they were in, like, let's say the 1950s or 60s, where you just tried to have kids all the time. (laughs) You You know, know, it reminds me a little bit of, um, we talked about Parasite in our last episode and what you've been watching. Uh And if you remember back to Parasite, when they're in the gym, when, you know, all the stuff has happened, we won't say that, but the stuff has happened. And the dad tells the son, 
poor people don't make plans. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not just getting married, though. It is people go going to church. The rates now of people without a bachelor's degree not going to church as as opposed to people with bachelors going to church sharply diverge. I and can kind of see I can kind of see something for that though. What with, do you think? When, no, with all of the stuff that like let let you know, I I don't know for per se like what percentage of people were catholic at some point in their life or not but with all of the stuff coming out about the catholic church i can imagine that people are kind of questioning religion a lot oh without a doubt i i think i think in terms of this study too though well i I go well you bring up an interesting point if you're poor and things aren't going your way theologically would you see you know whatever traditional god that you might have believed in right. as not responding to your needs right. that's something very interesting yeah. i think though i think though too like with this i i think part of what they're trying to say is with despair type diseases like drugs and it's more like isolations type type stuff like they don't want to do anything exactly and then another indicator of of social happiness would be you know your level of chronic pain that also surprise sharply diverges and then when asking people the question um is the following statement true or false i'm not too happy these days guess what yeah the same subset is answering far more true on that question than people who have once again, bachelor's degrees. It's so, so interesting to me that people that like in a study like this, these people, and that we still are voting for people that want to push us down. It's just so interesting yeah. to me. I I, I think that, it's you know, a- and <laughs> I don't like I said before. I don't have statistics in front of me, but I will kind of say like a majority of probably poor white people probably voted for Trump, and he's sure. not for them. Yeah. So it's just well I mean I think I think if you if you think back to Jim Crow laws for example in the south yes. um there's some great you know thought and philosophy from you know prominent black philosophers that are like you know what it's not necessarily that white people are like totally racist in the South. It's that the government understood that the best way to keep black people down was to keep white people poor. And to keep yeah. them focusing on something, you know, like the Jim Crow laws, because it gave them the illusion that they have power. Yeah. And if you feel like you've got power over something, you feel like you have control over something, even if other parts of your life are crazy. You know what I mean? Speaking of power, yeah. we should talk a little bit about sexual harassment yeah. in the workplace. God, this is such an uplifting episode. Wait till we get to the personal stories later. <laughs> Andrew, tell us about it. Because um, you, you do have some, some harrowing shit. Yeah. Here. So the EEOC, which is the Equal Employment Opportunity um, Commission, defines workplace sexual harassment as unwelcome sexual advances, requests for sexual favors, and, uh, and other mm-hmm. verbal or physical conduct of a sexual nature. So that's that's the definition that we're working with here. Yeah, sure. sure. So um, throughout the United States workplace, 79% of sexual harassment victims are women. Wow. Surprise, surprise. And, and that's just what's reported. Right. Exactly. That's like the horrible thing about this. Um, out of those numbers, and this is kind of what I'm alluding to in, in my discussion today, 51% of those people were harassed by a supervisor. Uh. So once again, there's that power structure that we have in place that people basically say, yeah, "I'm in, I'm in power, so I can take advantage of you." Um, one of, and I, I just want to go through a couple of definitions with our listeners about kind of the different classes of harassers. Okay. So um, this comes from the author Martha Langolin. Um, she describes four different classes of um, harassers. What if her last name was Langoliers? 
I would like that. Let's call her that. Okay. What what was her first name? Martha Langoliers. Martha Langoliers. That she was in the story by I like Stephen it. King. That's very cool. Go it's ahead. Very, have you ever seen that? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's a weird, it's very weird, strange. weird movie. It's very, very odd. <laughs> um, okay, so we have the predatory harasser, a person who gets sexual thrills from humiliating others. This harasser may become involved in sexual extortion and may frequently harass just to see how targets respond. Those who don't resist may even become targets for rape. <laughs> how do we always come around to rape? Like so much. that's just you know what because you know why because humans are fucked up yeah like they're fucked like we are fucked up yeah okay so and then we have the dominance harasser this is the most common type who engages in harassing behavior as an ego boost so these are the kind of people that kind of go around like i would say like smacking somebody's ass or you know like that kind of stuff just so to make themselves you, feel better do you think that that's not necessarily like sexual there or do you think that that's still sexual i think it's I think it can. Ev- I think it can be sexual. Okay. Does that make sense? Do, do you do you just happen to see like? Does she define that like? No. Like, like predatory is definitely like super criminal, and like dominance is like like a lot more common kind of thing. I don't have that in front of me. That's interesting, but to think yeah, about. yeah. Um, and then we have strategic or territorial harassers who seek to maintain privilege in jobs or physical locations. For example, a man's harassment of a female employee in predominantly predominantly male occupation. Does that make sense to yeah, you? Yeah, it okay. does. Yeah. Like they're they're like, "Oh, there's a woman here. She shouldn't be here." Yeah. I want to like wag my dick around kind of like, thing. Like kind of like if you were in a uh meeting and you were yeah. like kind of always stepping over a woman that happens, in a conversation. That happens all the time. I know. Um, and then there's a street harasser, another type of con- another type of sexual harassment formed in public places by strangers. Street harassment includes verbal and nonverbal behavior, mm-hmm. remarks that are frequently sexual in nature, and comment on physical appearance or person's presence in public. Does yep. this remind you of my Dunkin' Donuts story? Totally, it does. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, th- and this sort of thing happens to you know all of all of our girlfriends all the time. It happens to our guy friends too. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have experienced this time and time again. It's an awful, awful thing. Yeah. So that leads me into our celebrity story of the week. Tell us. Um, I'm sure everyone's familiar with this person. He is very common in our households for many, many years. This is following the story of Matt Lauer. He's, he is such a gross pig. But if you think about it, when you, when you saw Matt Lauer back in the day, in the late 90s or whatever wholesome yeah like all american yeah guy down the street yeah so matt lauer joined nbc in 1992 when he became the co-anchor of early weekday news on today in new york um he also substituted for brian gumbel on the today show before being named the co-host in uh 1997 so uh rose to popularity by about 1997 okay this is where things take a dark turn for matt lauer's story Tell us how um, On November 29th, 2017, NBC News announced that Lauer's employment would be terminated. Uh, this was after an unidentified female um, NBC employee said that Lauer sexually harassed her at the 2014 Sochi Olympics. And the harassment continued when they returned to New York. What was that? Do you remember what that was? What do you mean? Like, what? Do you remember what happened? Like, you remember he locked the door? No, I'll, I'll get to that in a little okay. bit. But um, no, basically what happened is he got her in a hotel room 
they had had consensual sex before. Yeah. But she reported that consensual sex as very, oh God, what was the word? Um, as like in service of her job. Oh my like, God. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I do. That she felt that if she said no, that she, her job would be in jeopardy. Yeah, basically. sure. Which I think that leads to a lot of the things that we are dealing with in this episode <sighs> is like the kind of the people that absorb their power. Um, this came out later in 2019. Uh, there was a book uh, called Catch and Kill Lies, Spies, and Conspiracy to Protect Perpet- Predators. Um, where Ronan Faro cited Malt Faro, sorry, <laughs> uh, like not Faro, like the grain, Faro the grain, <laughs> yeah. um, cited multiple sources that stated NBC News was not only aware of Flowers' misconduct beforehand, but that Harvey Weinstein used this knowledge to pressure them into killing a story that would have outed his own sexual misconduct. Oh my god, that is so fucking disgusting. So yeah. He- because Harvey Weinstein, another powerful man in Hollywood, knew that Matt Lauer had committed, and I will say this now, up to 10 people came forward against Matt Lauer and oh said that God. he did sexual, had sexual assault, um, he, Harvey Weinstein was able to squash his own predatory ways with somebody else's. That's disgusting. Isn't that insane? But you know what, though? That is how predators act. It's just like child molesters. They find each other online and in communities, and they all protect each other. It's insane. It's what they do. It's, it's the same thing with this. It's, it's exactly what they do. It's disgusting. Um, we should say that in the book that was finally named that the uh, the person that was uh, the committed the rape in Sochi was Brooke Nevels, uh, who worked at um, NBC at the time. Um, and also uh, that he pretty much like, oh, here we go. The, she characterized her encounters as, as transactional. Yeah, that makes sense. As, and consented only out of the fear that Lauer had control over her career. So this is where things start to unravel, because now all these people are coming forward against Matt Lauer, and then we learn about his infamous office. Do you know? Do you know about? Well, I remember, this he, I remember he like locked the door. That, that's like the thing that I really remember from this. So here's the quote: His office was in a secluded place. <laughs> My, sometimes we get on air and my mouth just stops working. He's, he's not even drunk, people. He's not. <laughs> no, I'm drinking a Red Bull. For it's, a, it's just a giant Red Bull. Um, his office was in a secluded space, and he had a button under his desk that allowed him to lock oh, his yes, door right. from the inside without getting up. This was refor- reported in Variety magazine in 2017. This afforded him the assurance of privacy. It allows him. It allowed him to welcome female employees and initiate inappropriate contact while knowing nobody could walk in on him. This is according to two women who were sexually harassed by I guess I just Lauer. don't understand. Like, I mean, I ask for a standing desk at work and I don't get it. Oh, we have those. But like, <laughs> he got a button that locks the door. And then upon further research, I learned that this is very common in higher up execs at NBC. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they must have had some sort of somebody cooked up a reason for that button. Somebody Lazy, said laziness. Yeah, I mean, somebody said they need this button for this reason, or maybe it's like a security thing. Like maybe they they need to like hide in case there's like a, a shooter. Like somebody made something. Yeah, up. but the thing about it is, and I'm I'm totally there with you on that. But the thing of this is, it locks from the inside. That's that that, and that's just the thing. So it's people like, can't get out. What? It makes no sense. Yeah. Like who would agree to do that in an office? Right. Yikes. But Matt Lauer um, went from basically. Boy and next you know, door. The thing about that too is this. 
you don't just like cook that up. No. Like that motherfucker. I mean, look, we all have sexual fantasies, right? Everyone has it. You think about them. You do this. You do that. Whatever. He was thinking of that fantasy in his head for a long time. Mm -hmm. And something about locking the door got him off. You know it. I know. And, and that's why he was like, oh, well, now I'll make it happen. Well, and the thing about it is that that really pisses me off is that when Matt Lauer was fired, you, how much, you don't think that he got money because he got millions of dollars. Of course he did. Because they paid out his contract. Of course he did. So that's... Of course he did. So Matt Lauer, shame on you. Um, I hope that you never are on TV ever again. You know, it's just, <laughs> I, I, I really... Um, you know, we, we've talked about sexual assault really multiple times over the course of our two years on the air. We'll uh-huh. talk more about that later. Um, but uh, I really just, I despise anybody who engages in anything like it, whether, yeah. it's, whether it's with children, whether it's with adults, I, I don't care. It's, it's the worst thing you can do to somebody because it's, it's, a, it's a crime different than punching somebody. Punching it me, sticks with you. Punching me, it's emotional. Like it goes away. Like I, I don't care about it after a number of days or weeks or years. But sexual assault, which we've both been sexually assaulted before, mm-hmm. stays with you forever. It mm-hmm. never goes away, and you, you, you will think about it whenever you go to have sex again. Yep. Whenever you have you, you meet somebody. Whenever you know X, Y, or Z. It's the worst thing you can do. And I'm here to tell you right now. There's somebody out there listening that has sexually assaulted somebody, I can guarantee you. And if you did, I'm not telling you to go like turn yourself in or whatever. I am saying you better make restitution one day right? or it will come back to get you. And I can promise you that. <laughs> I can promise you that. It's the truth. You know that I'm right. There's like somebody listening right now who did it and they have not apologized. They have not made amends and it's time. It's like that, uh, the curse that your parents always give you yeah. when you're younger. Uh, I hope your kids are just as bad yeah. as you are. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's the truth. I mean, and that, and that is just the thing is, you know, what, what do you find is that, you know, people who abuse have been abused before. Yeah. People who hurt are people that have been hurt. And that doesn't give you the license to do it. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's interesting to think about the workplace that we're talking about mm-hmm. here in terms of sexual harassment and in terms of despair and suicide. And, you know, it's you know I I wrote down some some questions when I when I was thinking about what what to talk about today and you know one of the things that I that I mentioned here was like what does it really mean to have work that is meaningful mm-hmm. what does it mean to have work for you that is worthy what does it mean to look what does it look like to have a job that fulfills you I think that's different for everybody without a doubt and I think that you know. It, Look, not all of us are going to be sexually harassed in the workplace. Yeah. Not all of us are going to commit suicide, thank God. Yeah. But like, you know, for everybody, you know, sort of thinking more roundly about this before we talk about our own personal stories here, like what I would encourage everyone to do is really think about, you know, look, no one necessarily likes to work. Yeah. Uh, You know, unless you're rich, you just don't really have a choice. But what are the things that you can change? What are the things that you can do the little things. to make the work that you do more meaningful for you, to make the things that you do you know, just a little bit easier on your spirit and on your body. And even um, if that means like getting up, getting up from your desk once a day and just taking a walk around the block, yeah. like, you know, like the little things. That, no, I, I get you. I think cause those right. are, those are the things that really like bring me peace at work yeah. because there's, I, I just work, I work in a very high stress situation. Yeah. I, I work for very high up people and sometimes those people can just be downright mean without a doubt. And sometimes I just have to get up and just take a walk and just I like clear it. my head. Otherwise I'll, 
respond irrationally. I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Or, you know, sometimes it looks like maybe not getting that eighth cup of coffee. Yeah. Or, you know, not going out for that cigarette break because you know it's not going to make you feel better. Right. Or, you know, going home and saying, you know what? It's 10. I'm just going to go to bed. Yep. You know, it's like it's all those little things that we can really do to make ourselves happier. And I think it's things that maybe you and I didn't do before. No. And so you had to learn. Yeah, you had to learn. But let's talk a little bit about. Well, there's one thing I want to hit on just really quick oh, before yeah, yeah, we sure, like sure, wrap sure. up and go into our own okay. personal stuff is that um, and we've mentioned it before on the show. But in according to Workplace, I just wanted to bring it up again. There is still not a federal law against discrimination against LGBTQ people in the workplace. You're absolutely there are right. still states in this in the United States where you can be for being gay and i just wanted to bring that up uh-huh. really quick because i did come across a recent story just happening in february did i almost skip one of your stories no it's okay god I, i'm I sorry andrew you, you don't i was already bringing it back around i wasn't trying to discriminate against <laughs> you in this workplace no um but there was uh, i only want to bring this up because it just happened yeah, sure, like, do it. in yeah. february and actually in late february really um byu so up in i think brigham young university utah right yeah. uh, up in utah and it's I will say that the school is owned by the Church of Latter-day Saints, mm-hmm. so take that for Brigham what it's Young, worth. one of the founders. Um, they finally lifted their ban on homosexual behavior in their honor code. Um, their honor code used to read, um, it, it previously prohibited all forms of physical intimacy that give expression to homosexual feelings. <laughs> so yeah. no holding hands. Um, keep in mind, this honor code also did have rules for dating, dress codes, oh, yeah. and bans on drugs, alcohol, coffee, and tea. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is, I mean, this is not actually that uncommon with, with schools like this. Like, there's another school in Alabama, I think it is. I can't remember where it is. It's Harding, Harding University. Well, there's a there, very similar to this. There's a college out in uh, in, uh the suburbs of Illinois. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Wheaton College. Yeah, there's, and there's, it's not as strict as this, but right. they do have an honor code. That, that's Billy Graham country. There's one yeah. in, in North of Indiana called Hiles Anderson. Same kind of shit. So they finally lifted the ban. Um, you can imagine that this was a huge relief for not only students but faculty as well, because yeah. I guarantee there was faculty that was all the gay Mormons. Yeah. <laughs> In, quote unquote in the closet because they wanted employment at Brigham Young. Wow. So just a little thing that I wanted to mention just because it just happened. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm glad that you brought it up because also the Supreme Court is still deciding right now. Isn't it since like October? It, well, it's, it's going to, it's going to come out in October. So it will, it, the Supreme Court will release its decision on discrimination in the workplace, which is mainly about LGBT people. Yeah. I got to tell you, if you're not worried about it, you should be very worried about it. Yeah. Because it's probably not going to be great for us. That's my guess. Um, and it's going to be a bit of a nightmare if it goes the wrong way. Yeah. And, you know, the few protections that we have could be completely rocked by a Supreme Court decision. Um, you know, I don't know all the legalities of it right now, but, you know, we'll talk more about it when it gets closer. Yeah, for sure. But I'll tell you what, LGBT people should be terrified and our allies should be terrified for us. <laughs> I don't know where to go from there. Let's talk about let's talk about our terrifying personal stories. No, um, God, we are such downers. No, it's okay. We're gonna bring Fuck. it back. We're bringing it back up. So, Fuck Maddie, me. what was your uh, least favorite job that you had? It that, doesn't uh, have to be as an adult. It could have been as a teenager. Man, anything. that's that's really tough. Um, or your best. I mean, 
Maybe we do best. Well, I, I mean, it's it's tough because like, um, no, and, well, it's and we don't not have to tough. name we don't have to name any of the companies. No, we can just like say what you, they. You did. know, for me, the job that I have now is so good. Yeah, like I really love my job, as you know. I love being there. The work I do is fantastic. You know, we're well taken care of. Could I make more money? Of course I could. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Who couldn't? But like, um, you know, my colleagues are awesome. I've got good friends. We, you know, I go on trips. It's it's a great time compared to where I was just before that, where I was miserable every, nearly every day walking in the door. Yeah. And there was a hallway that I would walk down to get to my, um, my office door. And I remember walking down that hallway every day, wishing that I could like jump out the window Ugh. or like gross jump into the train or something else. Like, so that I wouldn't have to do it again. Like, yeah. It was just, it felt like a prison. And, you know, we did great work at that job. It was a graduate school. Um, it's where I worked just before this one. Did great work. My direct boss was fantastic. The leadership there was atrocious. I find that that's usually where Ugh. you're either going to love or hate your job is with mm. leadership. Yeah, it was it was awful. Um, we were made to feel very bad. Our morale was very low. We were paid nothing. Um, it was just, it was a nightmare. Yeah. And, you know, my job before that quite frankly, it was also a nightmare. It was my, it was my first job in Chicago. I worked for an online university thing. Um, it was, it was rotten. I lasted there for less than a year. We were on the phone all the time. Success was so hard. Um, Gross. everyone hated their job. We, I smoked a pack of cigarettes like a day at work Gross. and we would go on lunch and like get drunk at the train station just, and then go back and like get back on the phone. It was just, it was terrible. I mean, we would do these things called power hours where we had to like just dial the phone over and over and over and over and over again. And if you got up to use the bathroom, your supervisor would follow you into the bathroom and watch you. Are you, you. kidding Oh, me? I'm not kidding you. They would watch you and time you and get you back out there. And if you were in the stall, they would knock on that stall and they would get you out of that stall. Like they were fucking lunatics. They were lunatics. That and is on, insane. And on top of it, we were like a school. I'm doing that in quotes right now. So we were accredited, right? Mm -hmm. And the accrediting bodies would come and visit. And like when they came to visit, there were certain rules like about what you can do and what you can't do. So there was all this stuff that we did in that workplace that was completely against the rules, entirely Jeez. against the rules. And so when those people would come, they would make us like take down all of our stuff and put this away and they would hide things. It was so strange. It was such a piece of garbage. And I was I was so miserable. I remember I told one of my friends once, like, I've I've thought about killing myself. Gross. I, I, and I had. I, absol I absolutely had. So, you know, it's interesting because, like, that job and then my job after, there were so many times that I hated living in Chicago. Yeah. I hated it. Yeah. yeah. You remember this. I'm, I'm telling these, these lovely people right now. Um, you know, I hated living here. And then, like, when I got my new job last year, and I've been there for just over a year now, everything feels so different. Seeing it with a different light. And it's like everything in my life feels different now. Like, I look back on my relationships. I look back on friendships. I look back on, like, arguments that I've had. I look back on the way I thought about this. And it's like, I, I let my jobs make me so miserable. Yeah. And I got to tell you, like... That is what, what we were saying earlier. That's one thing I will never allow to happen in my life again. Yeah. Ever. Because I deserve a good life. Mm -hmm. I deserve to be happy no matter what. It, if I'm flipping burgers, I don't care what it is. Yeah. Like, you need to be able to find happiness and not let it destroy you. And I let it destroy me for a bit. And that's it. <laughs> 
So now I'm back again, girl. I'm strong again. Um, I would have to say my worst job was probably actually the very first job I ever had. Um, I worked at a local grocery store as a bag boy, and <laughs> I had to bag boy. I had to sweep the parking lot. Oh my god! At he, 6 did you just hear that? <laughs> He bellowed to the sky, people. Who tells a a 14 and a half year old, here's a a broom and dustpan, sweep the parking lot. Man, I'll tell you what, they were like, hmm, how could I get this kid to go do something and not look at me? Give him a broom. The worst job ever. That's terrible. But I've had some great jobs. Actually, probably one of my favorite jobs I ever had was in high school. I worked at a local movie theater. and I did that too. It was like... Yeah. It was like a dream job. Yeah, it like was great. Free, like free movies. Like you get a rush and then you're like off oh, yeah. for like an hour. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I stole so much candy at that job too. At the end of the night, Ugh. they literally would, whatever popcorn's left, oh, yeah. you just take. I used to take home like <laughs> like bags that were like as tall as me. Yeah. And they were full of popcorn. Just give it to the family. And I would drink pop all yeah. night long. Uh-huh. Um, and in the movie theater where I was, it was, it was called the Art Theater in Hobart. Um, so old, old movie house. Yeah, mine, and, too, mine was called the Cadillac Five. Yeah, and it's yeah. awesome, right? And we like used to go on the roof and eat pizza. I would go in the in the projection booth and like, watch a movie. Interesting story about the Cadillac Five. Yeah. It used to be an old stage theater back really? in the day. So there was actually Vaudeville. in the main um, theater you could go backstage. There oh. was still a backstage, and also Cadillac, Michigan. The downtown used to all be connected underground. No way. And so you could go down into like the catacombs oh under the God. theater. It was so strange. That's crazy. Yeah, but. yeah, we used to love it. The, the guy that owned it was Mr. Prosecchi, and he was an asshole. <laughs> he was this old man who who did, was just so mean to literally everybody. Yeah, and like he would call you a loser. He would oh say he would say you're an idiot, and like we, we none of us cared. You know what I mean? Like we were like, uh, all right, Mr. P, yeah, whatever. Go like, on. You're literally paying me. I think like three bucks an hour to work. I think here. I made like, five fifteen. Yeah, I mean there were yeah. some paychecks that were that for me were like seven dollars. Yeah, and I was like. All right. You know what I used to to do? It was like kind of my my thing is that I would get my paycheck on a Friday. It would be like, I don't know, like a hundred bucks maybe. And then I would go to the local Meijer, which if people around here don't know, (laughs) it's like a grocery slash department store. (laughs) And I would go to the DVD aisle and I would buy myself a new horror movie every week. Of course you did. So that's how I... I mean, you can look right behind you. There's some of them right there. But yeah, he he wasn't old enough to buy porn at that point. Yeah. So. <laughs> we couldn't I go in the back room at the family video. Uh, um, yeah, God. that was one job that I always wanted that I never got. We should talk mm. about that for a second. Um, I always wanted to work at a at a uh, video store at a flop house. Oh no, a video store. <laughs> no, at a video store. Um, yeah, I mean they're gone now. Now they're gone. I mean, there's no possible there's, way. There's but. one in Hobart, Indiana. I mean, there's the, there's family videos. There's family videos that still, still are yeah. around, mm-hmm. um, which still just kind of boggles my mind. I don't understand there either. We, we took a trip up to Traverse City, Michigan, and there was just like three family videos there. And you're like, <laughs> what? like, what? And I think that there's like there might still be like two blockbusters left. I think there's like one in Alaska and one somewhere Didn't else. Didn't Stephen Colbert buy it? Maybe. Something like that? It, would, it, it makes sense. Like, people got to get, you know, something up there to do. They're bored as fuck, probably, so... 
But yeah, so that is the workplace, um, working, uh, and how work just kind of sucks sometimes. Well, you know, the good thing is, you know, I, I, I know sometimes your job can make you a little stressed out, but you, you have a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got a good job. I'm I, very and thankful. I really love it. I'm very thankful for the job I have. Yeah. Um, the thing with my job is, uh, we've just gone through so many changes in yeah, the time that yeah, I've been there. Yeah, you have. That it's, it's just tough to like, um, Get, like get a handle on sure. like where things are going yeah. but I'm, I'm very thankful for where i work and yeah. I, and, I, 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 yeah and shout out to my people who listen to my who, who listen to the show because i know you're listening hello <laughs> i hear you we work together i love you um but yeah you know i'm lucky to have a job that i love too and i'm lucky to also have this job that we love called Friday the 13th and if you want to help us pay for this job yeah. you can go on patreon patreon.com slash Friday 13 um also so as we think about our next segment too um we're going to be connecting of course as we always do in every episode with two great films yeah and these are really just sort Apropos. of sort of perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of them especially with what's going on right now with coronavirus stuff. Yeah, that's you'll the, you'll hear. I about was watching it. that, and yeah. that was totally strange. But oh, yeah. um, all right, so we should take a quick break, yeah, and then we'll right back with what you've been watching, bitch. What you've been watching, bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back to everyone's favorite segment, What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, Bitch. Oh, that was good. I like that. Um, This is the segment where we talk about what we've been watching, bitch. And so, Andrew, I'd like you to tell me, bitch, what you've been watching, Sure. Um, so just finished this up last night, actually. It was the uh, Dragula season three. I've only watched parts of season one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I need to get into it. Um, season one is rough. I'm so not going to lie. Season one is like, hey, here's a challenge. Drink this bottle of real human blood. <laughs> yeah. And if you do it, you win. And like, that's kind of what it's like. If our listeners don't know what Dragula is, you can catch it on Netflix now. It used to be an online series. It is now on Netflix. Uh, it is basically uh, like RuPaul's Drag Race horror. But like for goth Like queens. horror edition. Like goth yeah. queens, yeah. Um, it's hosted by the Boulay brothers who are married in real life. And it's it's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I like the show. It's hard for me to like stan it like really like love it yeah because there's just i mean does does anybody really stan it though i mean it's got to have some sort of base i like it i don't love it season three has been the best so far okay uh i just feel like they need to edit their episodes a bit more can i just watch season three yes do I, do absolutely I have to watch season no two? you do not have okay. to because I, I really don't want to because season one is i'm not gonna lie it's like somebody recorded it on their yeah uh, like what do you call that like the high eight camera. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, and like, it's not the worst. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah. And it was, it was a good try. There's just not enough challenges in it for me. Yeah, it's I a lot that. of talking and talking. I get it. Yeah. Drag Queens. We talk on this show, right? But like, right, right. it just goes on a little bit too much. Season three was the best one so far. So I'm hoping season four will be even better. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. What about you? My first one is on Netflix. It is the documentary series pandemic. Uh, what better time to watch it than when there's a pandemic right now of the coronavirus? What does it, what does it cover? I'm not familiar with this it, one. Uh, pandemic is really good. It, it covers um, basically just like viruses and how they spread and how dangerous it really is and how really sort of like far behind we are in so many ways. 
So it's a documentary series. <laughs> there are a series of episodes. Um, it oh, so is, it's episodic. Yeah, it's okay. episodic. Um, it is, I'm not going to lie, it's, you know, it's not like a feel-good kind of thing. It's, it's a little scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is good to meet and to learn about the people that are on the front lines yeah. of you know, making sure that we stay safe. I think we all kind of forget that, right? It's like, it's, it's, it's different than like the military, yeah. you know what I mean? But it's sort of like the military sure. in a way. Yeah, like, yeah. There are these epidemiologists and researchers and scientists that are like every day working their asses off to make sure that like, we're okay. No matter where <laughs> you are, like you're not going to get hit with this motherfucker. And you know, like, Andrew and I were just talking about, you know, the coronavirus before we started recording. And I mentioned to him that, you know, my company has an office in Seattle. We have closed our office for two weeks. From what I understand, every tech office in Seattle is closed right now. My friends that live there said it's a fucking ghost town. And one of my colleagues lives in the neighborhood where the six people died in Washington. So, like, there's so much going on with this. Everyone is terrified. People are canceling their trips. People are, and, and on top of that, like people are actually dying as well. I mean, there's, I think there's three thousand people dead in China. Like it's, it's a real thing. It's just, uh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. This, this, this documentary series will help you make sense of it. I think. Okay. I do want to just say, like, um, you know, with these kind of things, I think it's important to take precaution. Of course, wash your damn hands, but also yeah. don't panic. This yeah. is not a panic situation. I like, agree. Like. So I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I this agree. is a strain of the flu. So it whatever you're doing to right. prevent yourself from the flu, keep doing it. And stay <laughs> healthy in other ways. Absolutely. You know? All right. So my second one, I'm, I'm going to skip this the second one on my mm-hmm. list here just to come back to it because I think it's a more, more of a talking point. Okay. Sure. Um, my second one here is uh, 47 meters down uncaged. Wow. Have you, seen, have you seen this? I didn't see the other one either. Um, so the first one, 47 meters down, um, has Mandy Moore in it. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I, I Are they it, diving? It's like a vacation kind of yeah, thing? Yeah, it's like they're going, they go into a cage. Like white people a diving kind of, cage. Like, white, white people kind um, of nonsense. I, I was just okay on the first one. Like, I didn't love it and I, I didn't think hate it. I did see Like, it. I was I just know. like kind of in the middle on it. Um, this one, the second one, Uncaged, is about, um, these girls who find their dad is a archaeologist of sorts like he does like underwater caves and stuff yeah and unbeknownst to him his daughter and a few of their friends daughters excuse me and a few of their friends go down in those caves oh dear and there's a a alligator no there's a shark okay but he is oh my gosh what do you call it bionic where they're just white oh albino (laughs) an albino, albino great white shark has been living in these cages for, or in these caves and for years. And he's very hungry. This movie's awful. It's really bad. I mean, I'm not going to lie. The The name did not draw me in. Yeah. It, the, the shark is completely CGI. It looks awful. The acting is bad. It I can't <sighs> not recommend this movie. It's not even a... It's bad. It's so bad. It's good. That's it's not so even that. terrible. So, That's so terrible. I recommend skipping that one. Gotcha. <laughs> what about you? Some things I don't recommend skipping. For my second choice, I did a roundup of things because there's so much goodness on HBO sure. as always. So the things that I am watching right now are The Outsider, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and The New Pope. The Outsider is the Stephen King adaptation. It is marvelous. It's wonderful. The season finale is actually tomorrow. 
um, the day that this episode drops. I gotta um, get caught up on that. It's one. so good. Um, it's really well done. It's it's um, it's also a little scary. So I highly recommend watching The Outsider. Um, curb your enthusiasm. If you're a Larry David stan like I am, and you also sort of think that your your life is kind of like Larry David's, only with <laughs> less money. Um, the new season is really great, much better than the last season, which I thought was pretty bad. This is good, and um, you know, down with Mocha Joe. And finally, the new Pope with. Uh, John Malkovich, great show, highly stylized. John Malkovich proving once again he should never do an accent because he is by far the worst actor at accents oh, no. ever. He's so bad. But even that being said, it, the show is still really good. It's the new, so Is this good. the one with Jude Law? Yeah, Ju- okay. Jude Law was in. The first one was called, what, The Young Pope, I think? I can't no, remember. No, I think they're both with The New Pope. The New Pope or whatever. Yeah. I, season one, he was the Pope, and now John Malkovich is, is, is the Pope. Is Jude Law still in it? Uh, Jude Law. So at the end of season one, uh, don't, don't tell me. Never mind. I don't want to. Okay. Spoiled. <laughs> um, there, there is no answer that I can give okay. you right now. Um, but yeah, those are my. That's my HBO roundup, and I've got one more. But I'll do it after yours. Go yeah. ahead. Um, so I actually made it to the theater. This is the first. What did you see? The first time in 2020 I've been to the movie theater, which I'm really ashamed of. But really, yeah. God. Damn. Um, I went and saw The Invisible Man with we've, Elizabeth Moss. We've got to get better about I that. I know. It's bad for people that have a podcast. We've missed a lot of movies. It's pretty uh, bad. Um, I just haven't been that, that inspired to go to the movies. Yeah, but how was this one? This looks really good. The Invisible good. Man was very good. Okay. I liked it very much. Um, it's also uh, Elizabeth Moss's face, the movie, because there yeah. are, it's constantly close-ups of just like her in dread and like so it's basically the handmaid's tale but not the handmaid's tale but there are definitely some scenes in this movie where i was taken aghast like Mm. i was like oh 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 no like it was um it's got a great ending i don't want to say anything about the ending but tell us the ending tell us um i would definitely recommend going and seeing this um the only thing I will say is that I think it's a little long for the subject matter. How long was it? It's a little over two hours. Ooh, wow. Uh, and the first half is a little bit, um, I don't know. It's just, it keeps on. Wishy-washy? Yeah, it just keeps going. Like, it's a lot of her, like, looking in an empty room being like, is there somebody there? Is there somebody there? Are they invisible? But is there once, an invisible man? But once things get going, this, this movie's great. Oh, good. Yeah. You know, I don't mind a slow burn. Um, I don't necessarily know if I want to see this film if it's too out. I mean, I'm going to see it, but you know, the, the, yeah, the runtime's a little bit long, I think. But yeah. whatever, maybe there's a reason. But yeah, so what's your last one? And then I have one more. My last one is one that we've already heard about before, but I want to mention it because it just came out, babies. And yeah. it's Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, the documentary all about Mark Patton, the star of A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. You'll remember from 2019 that Andrew and I both had the great pleasure of being a part of sort of the release and the rollout of this documentary. We interviewed Mark on our show. We had an event with Mark in Chicago and we're having an event again with him at the music box theater in April. It's something that we've been really waiting to announce. We're going to talk more about it at the end of the show, but super exciting. And so stay tuned till the end. Don't turn this off (laughs) or, you know, at least, at least like skip forward and listen to the end and don't, don't miss it. Um, but yeah, I mean the documentary, if you haven't seen it yet, of course we both have multiple times. Um, it's really good. Um, because it's the story, not just of something to do with horror, but also with an LGBT person and yeah. the story of his life that was, you know, really rocked by homophobia and discrimination and, and HIV and, and HIV. 
And like there's there's a story that is being told here that I think is really worthy. It's really resonating with so many people. So like I would really highly recommend if you haven't seen this yet. I don't know if you can rent it yet on yeah, Amazon. Okay, okay, so you yeah, can rent it. It's on it. Amazon. Um, it's on but VOD. honestly, just just buy it. Like I yeah. bought it for I think it was ten bucks on iTunes. It's probably the same thing. On when all, we saw all it, when we saw it, I cried. Yeah, I totally cried too. Yeah. It's it's a it's a powerful film. Mark tells a compelling story. Um, go see it. Support our folks, Roman and Tyler. You did a great job, Mark. Of course, you're a star. Yeah, and also they're just like great people. They, they super I mean, nice. Honestly, so. they they truly are. So please support this film as much as you can. Um, so my last one, and it's it's not a it's a, a horror of a different stroke, I guess. Um, Could you not say stroke <laughs> around me right now? Thank I, you. I had the privilege of seeing 1917. Did you see 1917? So I have not seen it yet, but I got to tell you. I'm kind of surprised that you saw this before me. I am too. <laughs> We're like laughing at each other right now. And I, folks, I saw it on his list and I was like, Andrew, Andrew saw that movie. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. I, I had the um, pleasure of having a screener. Oh, that's right. You got those screeners right now. Andrew um, joined the Academy. So that's why he gets screeners now. Um, this, I let me, let me preface my uh, review with, I am not much of a war person movie. Like, okay. wait, War person movie, war movie person. Yeah, sure. Um, it's just not my thing. Uh, usually, it's kind of like that in westerns. I just kind of, it's just not. It's for not me. your thing. It's yeah. fine. Um, but I wanted to see this because I, I try to see as many of the award season show or award season movies as possible. Yeah. So I was like, I have access to this. So I'm going to watch it. I don't have to pay for it. So sure. I'm going to watch it. I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, um, I mean, it's supposed to be fantastic. This. Story story is fine. Story is fine. Um, it's kind of a little thin, but uh, the way that the, this movie is shot is astonishing. Yeah, it's supposed to be really cool. It is shot like it is all one take. Oh my god! So it there's got to be parts where the editor did like have an edit, sure. but they seamlessly put it together to where it doesn't feel like there's an wow. edit. Wow! And the amount of shit that goes down in this movie that they basically never cut away from is insane wow. and now i understand why it won best cinematography in those categories yeah i bet um i'm a little surprised that he didn't win best director yeah um if they were gonna give best film to parasite but that's okay them's them's fighting words for people out there no, right that's now. fine i'm just saying it's it's a very uh it's a very good movie. I highly recommend people checking it out awesome. because I don't think a lot of people did when it first came to the, the theaters. The only thing that I care about with horror, well, no, with um, awards things is that Tony Collette should have won Best Actress for Hereditary. We know. Which we know. you hear me we say know. on Twitter very often. And honestly, every other award thing, and I, I really do mean this, even for Parasite, even for films that I love, I could give a fuck less about them anymore. Oh, I don't, I don't really don't care, care about the like um, who gets the awards in the end. I just like to... Um, What's what's in pop culture? Like right, that's sure, I, I just want right, I want to be right. in on the know. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, and I have totally my and have my own personal opinion about it. Yeah. So. Oh no, without a doubt, without a doubt. But um, um, just yeah. I just glad that we both agree that Tony Collette should have won Best Actress for Hereditary. <laughs> you know, and uh, Flo- I think Florence Pugh should have been nominated for Midsummer, not Little yeah, Women. I, so. I I agree too. <laughs> so. I agree too. I, I'm still very see. This is why I don't like them anymore because it's just not worth it. Yeah, the, the people that are supposed to get the things for the things that are good don't get the things. And I have and some- every horror fan out there. I'm, I'm going to be honest. We should all feel the same way. Parasite got up there. That's fantastic. 
But if you even ask you know, other people that aren't us, they're going to be like, that's not a horror film. That's yeah. not, no, that's not a horror film. Yeah. It's a drama. Like, why don't you go fuck yourself, motherfucker? <laughs> oh, it pisses me off so much. Oh, gosh. We're getting heated God already. Damn. I can't wait to talk about movies. <laughs> and you know what? It's a nice day out, too. It's, it's sunny right now. God, you have no damn. excuse. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Tony Collette should have won Best Actress. I think for that Hereditary. Will wrap us up with What You've Been Watching, Bitch. What You've Been Watching, Bitch. And I've been very, um, like, I look at you when you say that now, so I don't interrupt you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Andrew, Andrew <laughs> fucked that up a few times. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> all right. We will take another break and we will come back with our first feature review The Belko Experiment. The Belko Experiment. Belco is a non-profit organization that facilitates American companies in South America. All employees, lend me your full attention. Hey, it's Jesus. Your chance of survival increases by following my orders. Your task is simply this. Kill three of your co-workers... Or we will kill six others. Hey, all the lines are dead. We need to evacuate the floor. Heike, come on, it's a joke, man. Hey, listen up, everybody. Whoever's doing this, they're having a little fun at our expense. Stage one, commence. His head exploded from the inside. What? When we start working here, they put tracers in the back of our heads. You must not remove the tag from your body. Follow our directives, or we will detonate the explosive. Begin. Welcome back, folks. And we're now on to the Horror in Movies segment. And our first movie is The Belko Experiment. And Andrew's going to tell us all about it. The Belko Experiment. Uh, this is a horror movie released on March 17th, 2017. In so the, specific. In the grand old USA. Um, I only say that because it came out in 2016. <laughs> it wasn't released here until 2017. Um, directed by Greg McLean and write, written by James Gunn. In a twisted social experiment, 80 Americans are locked in their high-rise corporate office in Bogota, Colombia, and ordered by an unknown voice coming from the company's intercom system to participate in a deadly game of kill or be killed this stars john gallagher jr as mike milch tony goldwyn as barry norris adria arjona uh arjona yeah maybe adria arjona arjona as leandra flores John C. McGinley, Melanie Diaz. Oh, there's just so many people in this movie. Owen Yeoman, <laughs> Sean Gunn. There's so many people in this movie. <laughs> and they are all like very there, there, there variations on like small screen actors. What I'm surprised at is that the budget was only five million. Yeah, it's, that actually seems kind of low, doesn't especially it? Especially for the like the um sets. Yeah, the sets and also like I mean like the effects in the we could talk more about this, but the effects in the film weren't like huge, I get it, but like there were there were still effects, like, was, and, yeah. th- and those are expensive to do. I, mean, I don't know. It's, uh, that's surprising. Oh, and uh, a common theme in our movies today that I don't think maybe you saw. Yeah. It starts with the Belko Experiment, which stars Michael Rooker who, as Bud Melks, who um, dies a very tragic uh Goal collapsing death. Mm. Um, they between this movie and our next movie, Mayhem, 
both have been featured on The Walking Dead. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. I fell off The Walking Dead, but that's fine. Well, and these are about the same year, too. Yeah, they're so right I, next I, I to each I guess that makes sense. Okay. All right. So, The Belko Experiment. Maddie, why don't you tell me your initial thoughts and anything that stood out to you? Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think both of the films today, I'm not mad at. Um, one theme that I would say exists in both of them is it, they're very male centered. Sure. That is one thing that I wish these films would have avoided because I think there's more to be said yeah. or more that could have been done if it wasn't like a bunch of guys getting very angry and violent. Yeah, I will um, say, but, um, I, I think that both movies have a strong female co- Without uh, a doubt, co- they do. Co-host? Co- Co- what? Co-star. Co-star. There yeah. we go. Um, no, I, I don't disagree with you. I just think that's sort of like one of my initial things. Sure. But um, for Belko Experiment specifically, um, yeah, I think it's it's an interesting movie. I think um, um, it is sort of harrowing to think about like what you would do under the circumstances. And right. I think that's what the film sort of succeeds at. And the, the there, I think the central question is, you know, would you kill somebody or would you not kill somebody? Right. That, that is the central question of the film. Mm-hmm. And you have characters in this film who would not kill somebody and you have care. Well, kill somebody, you know, without self-defense. Yeah, I mean. yeah. Yeah. And you have characters that very clearly would. And, you know, I think that there, that that actually wouldn't be too far off from the way that it would be in real life. I think that you would also find in a similar situation, which granted is, you know, a little bit wacky and crazy, you would find the same thing. You would find people who would make a decision and be like, look, I can never kill anybody. That's not what I can do ever. And other people who would be like, yeah, you know what to survive? I'm going to kill all of you. And so like, that is where I would fall in the earlier one, not Mm -hmm. the latter. I can't kill somebody. There's just no way. Yeah. Um, And I can say that with a reasonable amount of like, Assuredness. Sure. Right? I could kill somebody in self defense, I'm sure, but to kill somebody like in this case, I couldn't do it because it's not really self defense. Because after, like, what are you actually living for? You know what yeah. I mean? Well, it, it's fair to note that they don't really know the, the end result of what yeah. this experiment right. is supposed to do. Sure. Um, so I think that people, as they kind of go through this experiment and it would be interesting to see it in different settings with different people and how yeah. they would react. I get like from the sociological perspective, like yeah. what this movie is trying to achieve. But, um, if you don't know the rules, the game, the game isn't fair. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? I like, yeah. so I think they, that this movie does a great job of showing kind of the evolution of the way people think. Yeah. Um, because at the beginning, everyone's very level headed, like, Hey, we don't know what's going on. Yeah. Let's everybody settle down. Here's a bottle of water. Like, let's figure it out. And then when they, when it comes to crunch time and they got to make some decisions, people got to make some decisions. Right. And to be totally honest, and this is my kind of like fucked up brain, but like, I think that they do a good job of being like, okay, here's the criteria. Like people that have kids, you go over here. Sure. People that are of an age, you go over here because you got to yeah, start it, somewhere. The, the, the problem though is that, is that the people making the decisions are pieces of shit. Oh yeah. Totally. Right? So no, like, totally. you know, you've got, what's his name? Tony Goldwyn. Mm-hmm. So you've got Tony Goldwyn who seems to be sort of like middling in morality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then he puts together this team all of a sudden of like these awful people. Right. And so like, it's I I almost wish that they would have made different decisions in making the film with that. Sure. It would have been more interesting in that initial part if like he would have had, 
you know, half women, half men. Mm-hmm. And if they would have been more like middling like him. Yeah. Although I, I suppose that his character probably did decide at some point, well, I have to have some strong arms if I'm going to survive. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it and is. And I think that given his military background, and that that's too. kind of part yeah. of it. Because he was in the Marines? Something like that. Or something like that. They don't ever say, but they just say that he's been trained. Yeah. yeah he's like, he has like special training. Yeah. Basically. Um, what did you think of the film? In general. So, the f- I, I, this is only my second time seeing this movie. Um, upon my initial watch, I wasn't, like, huge on this movie. Yeah. Like, I, I, I had big expectations going into this movie, because James Gunn has done some really great stuff in the past. Yeah. Um, on the second watch, I'm a little up on it. Like, a little bit up from my first watch. Uh, just because I think that it does such a good job of telling this story with this amount of characters and giving characters moments where you kind of feel for these I agree with that these minor characters I felt for them when we've only seen them I mean this yeah. movie this movie's an hour and a half and you managed to get I would say 30, 30 or so stories 30 or so characters yeah, you know yeah. and you get little stories out of each one I of felt them, I so. felt awful for the security guard yeah the the, uh, the black security guard who gets you know stabbed in the um, stairwell yeah. right he's that guy was really trying to do out of anybody in the film i think he was trying to do like the most you know stand up things yeah and keeping the keys away yeah and when he got you know murdered in the stairwell by you know fucking what's his warren i hate that fucking i also i hate that actor (laughs) or no wendell Wendell, i i I don't like that actor he's so one note he's always just like a fucking no not john c Riley. no not john c Riley. i forget his name um john c mcginley yeah um, see, I was close. <laughs> he's just—he's always so one note. It, it's what he always—you know—it's the same thing from Scrubs. He's, well, always, he's, he's a, always an asshole. Well, he's always really loud. And he's, in this movie, he's a pervert. Yeah, so. I mean, it's just like enough. I, I, it's another—it's another thing where like I get why they cast him. They needed some sort of like middling name, but I wish they would have been somebody like a little bit more nuanced that we could have dug into more because like this like very overt pervert who's just an asshole isn't that interesting to watch yeah i guess but but that you know that being said i'm being very nitpicky right yeah now. no i totally like, get it you know but that's what we do on our show i will um, say i think that the practical effects are really good in this yeah totally um, the heads exploding are very good yeah and when they show it like very up close and yeah. like ugh. Yeah, and, and like, yeah. and you you are truly baffled when it first starts. Like, you hear about the chip thing, you know, early on when she's like having her interview and everything. Yeah. Like, so you're like, oh, okay, neat. And like, when the first heads start to explode, you think they're being shot from somewhere. That, right. That's what I think. Yeah, right it's away. like it looks like a sniper type of situation. Yeah, and like you know, when they start, when the heads start popping, you know, don't come and knocking. Yeah, it, it is. Fucking serious, man. I, even I was like, oh my God. I know, wow. Jeez. That's a lot. Um, is this your first time watching? It was. Okay. Yeah. First, um, time, first time for both of these films. Oh, interesting. Oh, I'm just kind of surprised on the Mayhem one. because no, never got to it. Huh. Um, I think that of the two movies, this office dynamic seems more real. Oh, without a doubt. Um, I think that this they did a good job of making this feel like an office environment. And also, it, it, I think it feels real too because like... This one is more multifaceted. Yeah. Like, it's like a big corporation, and there are people that do, you know, paper pushing, and there are people that make big decisions. And you see them all here. I I do love, um, in this movie, all the different dynamics of the different groups that are kind of, like, hanging out with each other in the different areas. Um, I think that this job comes with a lot of perks, and I understand why they, people would take it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> put a chip in their head because literally, when she is in her interview, she gets salary, company car, company 
credit card Apartment, company everything, everything. yeah like it's, literally it's everything of. i mean she works in the middle of fucking nowhere right um i did find that a little bit strange i because I, I was going to the movie and i was thinking to myself what what do they actually do yeah we, I, I wish we would have found that out. well in the middle of the movie he kind of says to the the main our main character says to his love interest he's like why do you think they never like checked in on us or like made sure we were doing our jobs or like so I think like they don't even really know what they do. Which is not too far off, I think, from the experience of a lot of people at, at yeah. their jobs. I mean like at that level. You know, I think that there are plenty of people who if you ask them what they do, they can't really give you a good answer. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's kind of sad. Um the initial so the in the initial setup of the movie, uh they ask for two heads. They basically say like we kill two, we people. Need two people. Um I thought it was interesting because I, when I was looking for our interstitials in the trailer, it says yeah. kill three people. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so That's I don't know weird. why interesting. they did that, but huh. you'll hear that before this. Um they say kill two people or something will happen. Yeah. They don't say what will happen, yeah. but then it ends up Oh, four don't they say die. they say like there will be consequences? Yeah. Yeah. So I understand why initially people don't go on a murder spree because sure. I think everyone's kind of like, uh, no. I'm not Who do we kill? kill do we kill Karen? <laughs> Karen from accounting? Or Denise? <laughs> or from, Tom? Uh, and then it goes from 80 to 76. And then from there, they say kill 30 or 60 will die. And that's kind of where the movie takes off. Takes a turn. Um, and Tony Goldwyn and his, um, I don't know, his white guy group go on their killing spree killing gathering spree um i thought that the one the one character um the the family man guy the one yeah, with the british accent right, yeah um he's an he, asshole he was a little perplexing to me because yeah. they try to make him like a family guy and they try to make you feel like he is questioning things from time to time but when it really comes push to shove he's he always dick. completes it yeah, like he always he does. does whatever yeah. he's gonna do without a doubt so I, that character was a little hard for me to get behind there's one moment in this movie where i think it's a little bit of a cheat for the movie um it's danny's death um okay the, the new girl yeah she goes through so much oh, fucking in the, in the shit. elevator yes yeah she goes through that. so much fucking shit in this yeah. movie she hides she kills the guy she goes in the elevator shaft she goes up in the elevator yeah. shaft she watches somebody get squished in the elevator yeah. she shimmies her way across the elevator shaft yeah she goes down another elevator just to be shot in the head yeah that didn't i i, I do have to admit that didn't make a lot of sense to me like that, I, that seemed like a very abrupt ending. It was. It made me like physically mad. And like while realistic, I guess fine in this weird fantasy thing. Yeah. Um. It still was just like, why did you kill her that quickly? It just made me mad. Well, I just, I just, I think it was kind of dumb. And honestly, I, I thought it, yeah, that that's bad writing. I thought for a moment we were gonna get a, a twist to where she was gonna be our main character. Oh, because they kind of fool around with that a little bit. They really follow her individually a lot, and and the other guy. That's the, really the main interesting. Guy. I didn't know upon my first watch which one was going to be our hero. Yeah, because it kind of like middles with it. So I wish it would have been her. I know. Um, Not that he's a bad guy. I he's just that guy. He's also even like just kind of like slightly cute. In, like, that way that you find, like, the IT guys at work cute. I just, Do you know what I mean? I just like, didn't understand. First of all, I didn't know. I why he wears a tie with a short sleeve shirt. <laughs> That's one thing. Is that what you don't understand? Um, and doesn't shave. And has. I'm, and listen, I'm going to tell you out there right now. You're wearing a tie with a short sleeve shirt. You need to stop doing that shit. <laughs> 
Um, you understand me? I also, I kind of understood the different levels of where people were at in the company, like what they did and yeah. kind of like their, you know, mid manager or like It, it makes up. sense to us in corporations yeah. where we can see that. Whereas with him, who was I was he? like, yeah. who are you? You, I, ha- you have an yeah. office. I felt like so. he was like in the IT department kind of. Maybe. That's what that's what I felt. Yeah, I thought Could the most uh, the most tragic death, and I've alluded to it earlier, was when um, Michael Rooker's character accidentally gets uh, hit with the wrench. And oh god, yeah! And his his head is just like dented. I, I mean, like it's like a full on like crater in his head, and he just kind of like is still alive. He, he trails but, off. Yeah, like, clearly he is dying. It's like, it's like a chicken with its head cut off. You know what I mean? That one for me, I was like, that oh, was tough. No, that was tough. I, I, I guess the only thing I will say there too, is that particular sequence. I, th- I get what they were trying to do. I think that the one guy maybe freaked out a little too much. Yeah. I, I, think, I think that could have been a little milder. Um, personally, I find it interesting at the end of the movie where they basically say, whoever has the highest, Whoever has Kills, high wins. kill count, but they don't give a time limit to yeah, it. I know. So it's just like everyone's just going to kill everybody. So <laughs> it just, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're right. And I found, uh, what, what about the very end? What I did found you think the, about I that? found the very end very satisfying. Yeah. I loved, uh, cause I did not, uh, even on the second watch, I forgot what he does. Yeah. And the fact that he does what he does and sneaks those bombs into all those different people. Yeah. I thought was really good. Yeah. But like, uh-huh. what about like when they're showing on that screen? Yeah, that's like a classic ending. It was, it was kind of like it's like Men, men in Black, like kind of ending, Hunger you know Games yeah, Hunger type Games of, thing. Kind of thing. Like, like what's going to happen now? Nothing. This movie's never no. going to get a sequel. So I kind of um, didn't need the end, end, end uh, with all the different screens. You know, um, what the, somebody out there did. Yeah, I, I, you, you know, somebody out there was like, oh my god. There were many experiments, but I did appreciate that in all the different um, screens that it was people, all different kinds of people. Like there was men, there was women, there were people of color. Like so, it does show like a little bit of diversity in who is the killer. <laughs> Fair enough. No, uh, I, I, I I agree with you on that. Um, I'm trying to think if there was other things that I. Oh, I thought it was funny that he when they so they they take the blowtorch that they were trying to get the door um, off. In the in the in the beginning, yes, and they're using it on the um, storage locker that contains all of the, the guns. weapons. Yeah, um, I found it interesting that he that our main character shot at the gas tank. Yeah, because if he would have missed, wouldn't that have just exploded? I mean, one one could reasonably <laughs> surmise that that would be the case. <laughs> so, um, possibly, I found it very harrowing the the elevator death. That one yeah, kind of got to that, me. That was a lot, and and the fact that he was kind of like our quote unquote like maybe gay guy in yeah, the movie. Yeah, <laughs> so. absolutely. I mean, it's 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 a. It, I think overall, it's a really good film. Yeah, I do it's, too. You know, um, it's. I wouldn't. I had say, fun watching it, and the fun that you can possibly have watching this motherfucker. I I just really there. There were certain characters in this movie that when they died, I like like audibly were like oh yeah like like the one woman who works with our main character yeah yeah who has yeah. like the older woman yeah. like the middle-aged that, woman that was sad and she's just like looking at him like holding her hand and her head explodes and you're like yeah. oh man it's just it's just so it's i don't know it's so pointless there's, a, there's a, whereas in our next movie i have a totally different feel about the movie oh, this I mean, one, it's, it's so different this one is so strange to me because there are moments in this movie where i feel very dark and like down yeah and then there's like comedic moments where it's like kind of funny and i'm just like 
In Belko? Yeah. Just like certain, I guess I didn't feel that like way Like certain much. things that they say. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's just like a certain comedy level. I mean, that, definitely in Mayhem, yeah. for sure. But I just... It's, it was hard for me to get a grasp on what kind of movie yeah. I was watching. Um, so that's kind of my only like big criticism of Interesting. it. Um, with a movie like this, you could remake this movie 20 times with 20 different kinds of uh, scenarios. Sure. And it would still be interesting. So I, I found it very interesting. Um, I, think, I think it's a worthy watch. I think, you know, like I said, I wish that it maybe not had been, maybe not have been so male centered yeah but that's just me i just and not even from like any like woke position or anything i just think it would have been more interesting if they had been more nuanced in how they did it i just that's appreciated all. that they could tell a story with this many characters in an hour and a half yeah i agree with that so um out of seven stripes because that's how we grade things here on friday the 13th because there are seven colors of the rainbow yeah. um i am going to give belco experiment a 4.5 that's that's exactly what i was going to give it to yeah so four and a half yeah it's better than middle of the road yeah. it's not quite excellent yeah it's it's not i mean do i have a a, a yen to watch this again not really to be honest um but i did i did i did i enjoy my watch yeah absolutely for sure and there's very little criticism that i really have of it yeah. to be honest. no totally um okay do you want to end it there then let's end it there all right then we'll take a break and we'll come right back with our second feature the shutter exclusive mayhem get your eye drops ready Welcome to the home of Towers and Smythe Consulting. TSC is a firm fueled by greed, duplicity, and moral decay. I'm gonna need some scouts! What the hell are you doing? Firing you. I'm not leaving this building until I plead my case. Sure. Good luck with that. What the hell is going on? Say hello to the ID7 virus. Stress hormone levels rise, causing inhibitions to drop and basic instincts to rise to the surface. All traces of the virus should be eliminated in approximately eight hours. What are we supposed to do for the next eight hours? Try to remain calm. We're back again for another movie review. Maddie, why don't you tell me a little bit about a little movie called Mayhem. Mayhem from 2017 was directed by Joe Lynch. It was written by Matthias Caruso, and it came out in 2017. Here's a little description of the film. When a consultant firm is quarantined after a dangerous virus that makes the infected lose their inhibitions is discovered, a recently framed and fired employee and a wronged client must battle their way to the executive level before time runs out. This was filmed in Belgrade, Serbia, believe it or not, um, and it came out in 2017, as I mentioned. Stars some great people, uh, Stephen Yoon as Derek Cho, Samara Weaving as Melanie Cross, Stephen Brand, Kerry Fox, Dallas Roberts, Mark Frost, Andre Erickson, Nicola Kent. Um, a lot of great people. And some other people that, now that I'm looking at the names, I'm seeing are actually very Serbian names. <laughs> and I never knew that. So now I know. That makes sense. Like, for example, Olya Hrustic, Vladar Mirkovic, Bojan Peric, Ana Maria Serda. There's a lot huh. of Slavs in this film. Congratulations. Um, the budget for the film, we don't have, we don't have that written down. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but it's it's pro- a, probably around It's the a same. Shutter exclusive, so it couldn't have been too much. Not, not too yeah. much, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming that Shutter bought this like out of, like, uh, what do you call it, when it goes on the circuit. 
that I don't think that, I don't think that they made it, but I think that like they, the festival like, circuit, yeah, kind the of festival. Thing. Yeah, so yeah, it, it got picked up. Yes, no one, no one raindrop <laughs> thinks it caused the flood. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, Andrew, you are full of new things today. <laughs> Why? That was so new from you. Why? It just was. I like it. <laughs> Uh, uh, so what did you think about it? So Mayhem. Was this your first time watching it? This is my second time watching it. Did you watch it on Shudder before? Correct. Okay. Yeah. It, uh, this was back when we very first got Shudder, when Shudder just started doing their um, exclusives yeah. and like their thing. Because now they have a ton of these like Shudder exclusives. Um, a lot of foreign films um, with Shudder. Yeah, you know what's interesting, too? If you look at the online sentiment around Shudder exclusives. Yeah. People really don't like Shutter exclusives for the most really? part. There's a lot of people that if you like look on Twitter, people bitch and moan about Shutter exclusives huh. a lot. And I'm kind of like, Shutter is five dollars a month. Yeah, Stop seriously, complaining so hard. We um, love you, Shutter. We love you. I actually, um, I really like. I really liked this movie. It was unlike uh, my sentiment in our last movie. I thought this one was very fun. Um, and yeah, two it, two very different films. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, very similar subject matter. Subject matter. I mean, I, I, actually, nearly identical, except one's a game and one's a virus. Uh, I thought it was very interesting when I was thinking about this movie compared to our last movie and thinking about us. Yeah. Because if you think about it and where we work, the last movie definitely would have been your company and this movie definitely would have been my company. Yeah. Oh, my God. Totally. (laughs) Because you're like in a social media experiment type of thing and i work for a hospital oh my god that's actually that's that's i didn't think about that Um, that's crazy this movie to me feels like a video game it plays out like a video game i think i think you're absolutely right like there are bosses and there are key cards that you have to get it's like like mortal Kombat. yeah codes everything yeah exactly um in saying that though i think it's fun um i think samara weaving is going to have a great career oh yeah for Um, sure um i'm kind of surprised that she hasn't ascended quite yet yeah she just had ready or not which was really yeah. good which you have not seen that still have you not need seen to see it, it yeah um but she's had the babysitter which right. was but oh, i love the babysitter but they're all like they're just like below blockbuster you yeah, know what i mean I like she's not quite to the level and i'm kind of yeah. surprised there are other actresses that have her same look and her same capabilities that are much higher up on the I get uh, Hollywood ladder that I don't think are as good as well, her. I, I think that she that the the films that that she's in, uh, as you just sort of expressed, they're like just cult enough that like you know normal people don't like them. You know, like yeah. I mean, like like the Babysitter is really good. I think, and I remember like I had a date over once and we watched the Babysitter, and I could tell like he wasn't into it. He was not into it, <laughs> and I. I I get it. Like you have to have the kind of sensibility for it. So that makes sense. Like you and I can sit through these things and get something different out of it because we are sort of culty about horror films, yeah, obviously. Sure. And if you're not, you might look at the babysitter and say, eh, that's a lot. And I mean, I'll be honest, like, you know, watching mayhem, I liked it, mm-hmm. but like, there's definitely sometimes where I'm like, Oh, another fight. Yeah. Got it. And, like, you know, that's, I mean, that being said, that is the essence of the film. It is going to be a fight right. over and over and over again. But just to say, like, I mean, there are some times where I'm like, can we do something different now? Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily, the film is only 89 minutes, which so. is fantastic. <laughs> I also love that part of it. Like, yeah. I can digest this film and get through it and, like, go about my day. And I love how everyone plays, uh, 
you know, we have our kind of two main characters, right? So we yeah. have, um, what is it, Derek and Melanie. Yes. Uh, those are kind of the two people that we're rooting for in the movie. And yeah. they play it They play it pretty straight for the most part. There are, they really do. There are a couple moments, like, I think about the time where he's in the elevator and he's kind of punching himself. Yeah, whatever. Where that goes a little over the top. But I just love how everyone else around them is so an extreme version yeah. of themselves. Like, the conniving bitch in the office is yes. actually, like the crazy conniving bitch in the yeah. office and the HR guy, which the HR guy in this movie is the guy from who plays like the flamboyant guy on insatiable, which is on Netflix. Really? So it's very strange for me to see him in this character. That's so weird. Um, but I did like a lot of those lines where he was like, file this under no, or file this under N for no one cares. Exactly. Like, that right. Totally. Like, I, I do think that there's, I, I like the IT guy too. Yeah. I think there's a lot of really smart writing in this. Um, and it's a lot more violent than I thought it was going to be. Well, I, I think what they did was they designed a working class hero. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And though he's not really working class. Not I mean, now, but, but he started he, that he way. He started that way. He rose up. He learned how shitty it actually is and what a, f- what a fraud it all is. And when push came to shove, he decided to fight for, the working man. Mm-hmm. And so like that is like the sort of like archetype that we have here, which I think is smart. Um, a little different from Belko, um, just because it's not that same sort of setup. Well, B- Belko is not about class. Right. Belko, Belko eschews the class discussion altogether. Right. I would say, because if you think about it, like when, even when they're dividing people out, it's never about like, well, if you're low on the totem pole, or if I'm high, right. it's about do you have kids? Are you old? Yeah. In this case, it really is all about like class: who's yeah. rich and who's not, and that's who's pulling the strings. Um, I do like the the fantasy type of things that they weave in here with like the siren and the green yeah. reaper and yeah. the nine and yeah. like all that stuff. I find that stuff uh, pretty interesting. I, I, I think it was interesting too. Um, I like what you said too about bosses. Yeah. Like, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like thinking about this from a video game perspective, you know, what do you, it's the same way, even like with how we work. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, like you and I have to like get past the bosses to like get the next level, to get the promotion. Like, yep. You have to like do the quest to do the thing. Like it's the same kind of thing here. Um, I, in, and in this watch, because I've already seen the movie, yeah. I watched a lot of the background this time, and there's a lot of really funny shit going on in the background. When they're fucking in the background, oh, I have something to say about that. What in the back in the background of his video? Yeah, those people are actually having sex in the actual movie. Yeah, they were in a relationship at the time. It's in the trivia. No way. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Oh my god! While in Serbia, listen, I, I gotta tell you what. I gotta tell you what. I never want anyone besides the person that I'm having sex with <laughs> to see me having sex. We're going to leave it at that. Um, I love the the idea that... So they kill off the HR guy. Yeah. Like, because he basically stabs him in the hand and then that tries to like go after the girl. But um, you go into the, uh, like the, the, the bitch woman, the yeah. like higher up woman, um, thinking that they're going to kill her. Yeah. But I love that it's her assistant who ends up killing <laughs> totally. her. Yeah. Meg. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just love it. Throughout the entire movie, she just keeps going, Meg! Meg! I know. I know. <laughs> I, I just, there's, I think there's a lot of comedy in this, and it's balanced very well by the violence that is also in the movie. Yeah, I, I, I think you know, Mayhem is definitely a much more, a much more fun movie yeah. Yeah, than yeah. funner, more fun, more fun. 
It's more fun. A more fun movie. Isn't it? God, yeah. I am an idiot today. It's much more fun than, than Belko, for It's sure. very fantastical. It's a different kind of experience. I, I, I am really surprised at how similar they are in yeah. so many ways. And, and as you were saying earlier, like it's interesting to think about mayhem in our current context, thinking about coronavirus. Oh, yeah. When they show how the virus is spread yeah. through the through the office. It was my like, first thought. I was like, oh, shit. That's like, pretty easy. And like, I'll, be, I'll be honest. like, It made me really think about, like, motherfuckers coming to work sick. Yeah. And, like, I mean, have I done that before? Yes. Do I do it now? No, I don't. And there are people that come into my office coughing, their asses off, sneezing. You can see they're, like, dripping sweat. I'm like gross do you think you're like proving something right now by being here right because motherfucker you sit across from me you get my ass sick i'm coming for you it's gonna be a bad day <laughs> for you motherfucker uh that was one thing in the movie that i wish that they would have explained a little bit more was what the virus thing? yeah i i that is one part it doesn't do well like i don't it just doesn't why why was the virus there i don't know like i think it would have been much more interesting if um melanie so samara yeah. weaving's character like brought a virus sure. to like get back at them in case yeah. she doesn't because her whole character angle is that she is there to try to save her home yeah and therefore closing on her home right. and these people can stop it or give them her more time exactly um so it would have been interesting like that is why she kind of like poisons the water because it shows that the virus is in the water yeah that's like where it starts but we never get an explanation of where it came from exactly so i found and, that interesting and we really we really need that yeah, I agree. That was my only kind of like weird thing about this. Um, yeah, I think for me, my main criticisms are are thus <laughs> the virus thing. Yeah, S- there, sometimes the fights are just too long, but that's just me. Like yeah. I'm not. I kind of I kind of love that stuff. Like so. I like it if it's like if it's like Kill Bill or whatever. But I I think I used to like it a lot more. I don't like it as much. Now, I kind of got a little basically. bit of a Kill Bill vibe from the, oh no from the one fight. Oh yeah, they they are sort of like Tarantino style fights, right? Like they yeah. feel that way to me. And I will say I love the uh, the music. All the music, music is, is like great. very synthy yeah. and like eighties y. And music like, is yeah. really good, and I really do love, as I've already said, like the guy that started from the bottom went up to the top got knocked down to the bottom again and said you know what actually fuck you yeah now i'm gonna ruin you and i love the the allegory that he literally has to go to the top floor yeah like you know what i mean like i like that and there were some fun office mechanics like i i did think like him getting in the elevator and having to have a code yeah and so we had to get in the elevator and have a reason to go upstairs to see i forget her name right now whatever her name was um to go up there he had to radio in then they had to give him a code then he then he can go up like it was, just, you know, in a, in the age of like key cards all over the place and yeah. this thing and that thing. It was it was interesting to watch. Yeah, totally. Um, this one, I, I mean, we do get some character work, but for the most sure. part, it's four or five people that you're really yeah. connecting with. Yeah, for sure. Um, because there are a lot of people that sit on the board that like don't even have a line. Yeah. Um, there's the woman who is being harassed at the beginning that our main character kind yeah. of like quote unquote like saves, but then she like never really comes back. Right. Into the, right. Like you almost think like, Oh, is there like a love interest thing there? And then it just like never comes back around to yeah. it. So there's, I think there's a couple missed opportunities in the movie. Um, I did like how um, at the end when he sits down at the board table and he's like the de facto CEO now. Yeah. And he's like, 
I like my job back. And yeah. then he looks at each of the board members and they're like, uh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, sure. Well, okay, why not? <laughs> sure. I thought that was really funny. I, th- one of my, I thought one of the funniest parts, and it's totally fleeting, and you might even miss it yeah. if you are not watching it closely, but there's a part where in the background, this guy is just running around, like running through the office. He's I going, didn't see that. He's going, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. You fuck oh, you. Oh, no, You're no, cool. no, no. I, I did hear that. I did hear that. I did I hear that. Which is a, that is a, that is a throwback to, um, I don't know. Um, that's from Office Space. Oh, is it's, it? It's an Office Space. Oh, yeah. I haven't got so that actually. That. That's actually. I didn't even think about that until you just said it. Now that's actually a really great homage to, to another course, Office movie. One of the, the one of the greatest Office films of all time, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, everyone knows Office Space. I think. Yeah. Um, that's really smart. You know what? Hey, good job, Serbians. <laughs> good you did job. It. You did a great job with that one. Good for you. Um, no, I had a lot of fun in this movie. Um, will it be a movie I go back to very often? No. Probably not. No. Um, the eye thing really bugged me. Like, yeah. that like made me want to itch my eyes the in, like, Because they're all movie. itching their eyes. It's, yeah. like, it's like when I watch a movie when people are smoking. I'm like, oh, my God, stop it. Yeah. Um, but overall, I'm pretty high on this one. I think it's pretty fun. I think it's one of the better Shutter exclusives. Would you rate it higher than what you did for Belko? No, I think that Belko is a better made movie. I, I would agree with you. Um, I think that this one's like kind of more. Um, I don't know. It's it's not quite a B movie, but it's not quite an A movie. It's so like a, it's, it's like, like a B plus movie. Yeah, I yeah. think. Um, so it, it, as far as for rating, I think I'm going to give Mayhem a four. Yeah, I think. I think I'll agree with you too on this one. I, th- I think because I think, yeah, I think if you're thinking of, I apparently I think, cause I just said that a thousand times, I think Belko experiment is like that extra half step step up above. Yeah. So I think that, that, that makes sense for me. Yeah, it does. Totally. Yeah. I get that. I'm, I'm with you on this. And shouts out to uh, Meg, the assistant. You're my favorite yeah, character. Meg. <laughs> Meg's. All right, I think we will take our final break, and then we'll be right back with our end segment. Don't go away. Special announcements coming up, uh, and we will do our hottie of the episode. Hottie. Shantae, you stay. 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 Okay, we're here to end the show. It's episode 30. We've done 30 of these. <laughs> 30. Because also, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. Let's, let's do our segment first. Um, we are going to do Hottie of the episode. Oh, go get hot in here. Hottie. Oh, God, they're so hot. <laughs> oh, God, I love them. <laughs> so gross. So hot. Delicious. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, Maddie, why don't you go first? Oh, are you, um, I'm just saying who I think is hot. Yeah, yeah. that's what that is. <laughs> yes. It's literally on the paper in front of you. Y'all, as usual, I just want to remind you, we don't even get drunk anymore. Literally, <laughs> we don't do that. Um, had the half person, a white cloth. Exactly. That, that's what we did. Um, the person that I think is the hottie of this episode is Steven Yoon from Mayhem. It's a good choice. Derek Cho. It's a good choice. He's just sexy. Like, I'm sorry. It's, I think he's sexy. Yeah, that's good. That's a good choice. That's all I have to say. Go ahead. <laughs> Who's yours? Mine is Tony Goldwyn, a.k.a. Barry Norris from the Belco Experiment. Not a surprise. <laughs> like I said earlier, at least I'm consistent. He is so consistent. He, Andrew, you always love like the 80s, 90s, <laughs> like heartthrob. Like Tony Goldwyn from Ghost is definitely who is like in your like spank bank yeah i i think he's good looking in this movie mm-hmm. and yes, put a guy put, put a guy in a suit it even helps even more <laughs> oh my god but what i love about what i love about me and andrew everybody is our tastes are so different in men it's yes. hilarious and honestly like if you think about like you know the people that you're friends with 
you get along better with your friends if you have very different tastes yes. in men. Yes. You just do. It's very it's true. It's the fucking truth. That was fun. Yes. What was a great, a great episode. It was depressing. It was funny. <laughs> it was crying. It was everything. It was all of it. We hope you experience all of the emotions with us on and, this, our 30th episode. And our two-year anniversary. Can we just talk about that for yeah. a minute? Two um, years of doing this. We, this is our 30th. I, I love that our two-year anniversary is on a very round number. It like feels 30. satisfying. It does. It <laughs> truly does. Trust me, we, we care about these very tiny things. Um, two years of doing a podcast that we had no idea what it would really turn into. If you listen to those initial episodes, we said <laughs> if we can get to 10, yes. we'd be happy. Yes, we did. So. Um, and don't listen to those early episodes. That yeah, sound I was going to say, actually don't. Like, skip, skip to episode six. I think yep, that's when we yep, first started yep. to get it together. Um, just, you know, if, we won't spend all, a, a bunch of time on this, but it is our two-year anniversary. We're very proud of what we've done. We're very proud of the community that we have helped to build and mm-hmm. become a part of. Um, there are many podcasts along the way that have helped us. Um, I do want to say, um, you know, to our fairy pod father, um, thinking about the way that he gave us advice mm-hmm. on how to do audio, Patrick. Yeah. yeah. Um, thinking about um, other Bo. podcasts, Bo and at Legion Podcast, and and all the the other constituent members of of Legion. Thinking about Vanessa and Darren, especially yeah, and Paul Court. and Court, and people who just like had our backs and you know, liked our shit, even yeah. even if they didn't like it, right. you know, like they listened to us and like helped us out. Um, thinking about other gay horror podcasts out there, like horror queers and, and film flamers, film flamers, um, our, our, our longly, uh, wanting to come back uh uh cocktail party massacre cocktail party massacre i mean brock and pickens like you know we've we've met so many friends along the way kim we've, and cat kim and cat you know we've gone to conventions we've met you in person we've 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 listened to you you've dm'd us we've dm'd you you've donated to our patreon you've shared our stuff you've told people about us and now over 60,000 listeners later, mm-hmm. you know, we're cruising on the way to 65,000 right now. By the end of this year, I can nearly guarantee you we will be over six figures in listeners. That's crazy. This is what we've created. And we're so proud because, once again, it's not just about talking about horror films. It's about it's, bring to light some about, issues. Exactly. And we have people that still message us from around the world telling us about how much just simply talking about things and, and giving them an outlet to listen helps them. Mm-hmm. And they come out to us and they tell us about this or that or whatever. We are still here for you. You're still here for us. We're going to keep cruising on into year fucking three, which is yeah, insane. crazy. And we have some big surprises coming up for you. Yeah. I want to take a moment to recognize our new patrons that yeah. we have. Uh, we have Glaive Maiden Cosplay. We. Uh, Parker Brennan, who is a aspiring horror movie director, Yay! has had some really interesting and fun short films. So it's check true. him out. Yeah, uh, and Will Whaley, who's our newest patron. Thank you, Will Whaley. Um, Will, you owe us a movie to watch. Pick a movie out. Send us your message. Uh, we always want to. As we will, to... what if we show up at the end of your bed tonight and like, you <laughs> what see, movie are we watching? You see our heads pop up. And we go, send us your movie, <laughs> and then we we slide back under your bed and wait for you until you wake up and then we grab your ankles and you fall no don't (laughs) we're not gonna do that but send us your movie uh, as always we want to shout out to legion podcasts as we are a member um and then also you guys 
we see how many people listen to this show, and it does not equate to how many ratings we have. So there's some people out there that owe us a rating or review. Yeah. So imagine if at the end of the bed tonight, you see <laughs> our heads pop up and we go, review and rate us on any <laughs> podcast thing where there's a rating thing. Thank you. <laughs> we'll and then do we that. slide back under your bed, and then we wait till you wake up, and we grab your ankles, and you fall. But we will do that. No, that we're going to do to you. Yes. Because listen, you lazy little bitch. <laughs> all you have to do is literally Tap go. It. And tap the fucking stars. That's all you got to do. I will say I'm very impressed that we are up to 234 US yeah, ratings. We're, we're not we're not mad so. about that. And and honestly, if you if you have rated and reviewed us, thank you very much. That's totally cool. Yes. Um. So that leads us to our final piece of uh, very exciting. What do you, what you call it? News. Yeah. It's and this is this is a pretty big deal, right? So um, you know, we live in Chicago. We've talked many times about the Music Box Theater, which and is Creepy Company. And Creepy Company. Um, so on April 30th in Chicago, we hope you can all make it up for it. If you live close by, you definitely better be here. Um, tickets will go on sale soon. But we are going to be part of Half a Ween with Creepy Co., who is uh, hosting the event over at the Music Box Theater. Um, two two um, companies that we love so much. I'm wearing a Creepy Co. shirt right now um, and Music Box. I was just there the other night. I'm going there again on Tuesday. Um, we love these people. Two Chicago-based companies and you know this is the, the Music Box's 91st year of wow. existence. And so on April 30th, on the main stage with 700 seats, mind you, we are bringing back Mark Patton and we are going to be screening um, Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. So we are going to be interviewing Mark on the main stage at the Music Box. We are screening the documentary. Also part of this event, we are going to screen A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. Freddy's so Revenge. <laughs> it is like a deep fucking dive into A Nightmare on Elm Street and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 especially. Make sure to come out. We will be releasing information on tickets, of course, and they're they're not going to be expensive, which is really cool. This is a totally affordable event. And we'll be there selling shit and whatnot. Absolutely. So. We're going to have shit. Mark has some amazing merchandise to sell to that you, could, you can only get from him, mm -hmm. um, and he will be meeting people and talking to people and shaking hands and doing autographs and all that shit. Not to mention, Creepy Co. is going to have all of their merchandise there. Yeah. Which, honestly, like, I'm wearing one of my favorite shirts right now. It's a Halloween 1978 button-up shirt that I wear often. I love this motherfucker. And if you do not know Creepy Company yet, go to creepyco.com and look at their shit. You will love it if you're a horror fan. Period. Yeah, we're pretty excited about this. It's, gonna be uh, awesome. it's our first uh, time really doing a big big event like this yeah. so i did not think that we would get the opportunity to do this with a little podcast so yeah, but, but here we are so once again april 30th it's going to be about seven o'clock it's a thursday night in chicago if you've never been to the music box before it's right on southport it's an incredible place like i said and it's 91st year of existence yeah. you've got to come see this old movie house spend a night with us they have drinks there they have food there they've got awesome snacks Creepy Co. is going to be there doing shit. We're going to be selling koozies. More it's to going come. to be an amazing thing, so look out for more information on that coming soon. Yes, so that will bring us to the end of episode 30. Maddie, congratulations. High five. 30 episodes. 30 episodes. Love uh, you, dear. We love our listeners. We love each other. Yeah, I love you, Andrew. And I'm so happy to be here with you on this journey. Yes. <laughs> and as always, we encourage you to get slayed.
The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. That's cbp.gov careers usbp.